Welcome to the Tweet Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar-related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on low back problems. As mentioned in the podcast intro, I am not a licensed therapist. What I am is a doctor of chiropractic. Of course, I am also a teacher, touring musician, festival stage manager, and problem-solving specialist, content creator, father, husband, worship leader, coach, and the list could go on for what seems like forever. With that said, I couldn't get anyone to do a group therapy session with me today, so I think I'll just do another ailment that plagues the musician, and this problem on my list is low back issues. But what causes low back problems? Should I go see a doctor? Can low back problems be prevented? Is there a way to treat it at home? Can you play with a back brace? And did WebMD really diagnose low back pain as subacute bacterial endocarditis, pyelonephritis, ankylosing spondylitis, or lupus? Well, we will discuss this and more on this episode of The Tweed Couch. Outside of direct trauma, like falling off a stage, down steps, tripping over a cable and landing weird, or getting hit by a piece of gear, or the bass player, which by the way, all of these things have happened to me, there are a lot of reasons for low back issues to come out of the blue. And I get it. Healthcare sucks. And doctor bills suck. But what sucks more is not having the ability to play or possibly make your living because you can't function. Now, what I did is probably what most of you would do if you were trying to save a doctor bill. And I went to WebMD and I typed in the symptoms, low back pain, muscle tightness, low back stiffness, and hurts while sitting. Well, this is a classic example of you get what you pay for. You're not necessarily paying for this doctor's advice. You're using some sort of a server that generates things based off of most common conditions that show up with this, but also at the same time, you don't want to leave something out. So to cover their butt, they would rather go ahead and give you some major, major conditions out there. Now, when I say you get what you pay for, I mean, we're guitar players. You buy a cheap cable, it's going to cut off highs. You buy a cheap tuner, it's going to have a problem when there's a lot of noise around. You buy a cheap guitar, you're going to have some components that have corners cut. It's not like buying a PRS. Same type thing. You buy a PRS, you know what? You get what you pay for. You spend a lot of money and you get something pretty awesome. There's something too. If you want five-star quality, you need to go ahead and buy five-star quality. You're paying for not just the item, but all the quality control, the checks, and the awesomeness that comes with it. With that said, what we got when we went ahead and put in these symptoms into WebMD were some pretty weird ones, and I would like to go ahead and just mention why they're weird. So the first one on the list was subacute bacterial endocarditis. Now this showed up as moderately possible, but this would also be pretty rare. Just to break things down so that you have an idea of what this means, sub means below, 
like a submarine is below the water. Acute means short-lived. Bacterial, single-celled microbe. Endo means within, cardi means heart, and itis means inflammation. So basically, it's a microbe that is found within the heart that causes short-term inflammation. Well, I feel this is a serious condition because it does. It attacks the heart. It attacks the heart valves to be more accurate. And I'm sure that this is probably something that may refer pain to the low back in some way. Because after all, there is this big old abdominal aorta that goes down through the trunk of your body. But I'd like to rule this out because 99.9999999% of you probably don't have a heart valve issue that is causing low back pain. So it's probably something else. The next one on the list was pyelonephritis, which is a kidney disease. Kidney disease... I'm actually not too against the idea that it could be a kidney problem. This is actually a good one. We can come back to that. But just to break down the word so that you have an idea, I love Greek and Latin terms, which helps us to understand things. Um, And actually, pylon is, I think, French. But anyway, pylon means renal pelvis. That's, That's something inside the kidney. Nefer means kidney. Itis means inflammation. So this is inflammation of the kidney, more specifically that area that is known as the renal pelvis. So, you know, maybe this could be a thing. We'll come back to that. The third one that WebMD gave me was ankylosing spondylitis. Now, I remember this one from school. I never saw it in practice, but man, did they ever hammer this condition into us during school. This is where the ligaments and the vertebrae, they start to fuse together all on its own. Generally, this starts right below the belt along the spine, and it kind of works its way up over the course of several years. Hot showers usually can help relieve the pain, but it doesn't actually cure it. The cause of ankylosing spondylitis is unknown. Actually, the term they like to use is idiopathic, which I had a professor one time that referred to that as, that means idiot doctor, because they don't understand it and they don't know where it came from. But really, they don't. And they think that there is some sort of a genetic disposition to it and or predisposition to it that could be part of what causes this ankylosing spondylitis. But nevertheless, once again, unless you happen to have, I think it's like, BLA 27 or 20, and there's special markers that are found on your, um, or in your blood, special little proteins. Unless you have that in that blood test, there's a likelihood is very low that you will end up having this issue going through. So we're going to rule that one out because if you do have that, that's, that's a much bigger problem than what you should learn on a podcast. The last one I mentioned was lupus, and this is always seen on WebMD, and I'm beginning to think that it's just like a default diagnosis. Basically, it is an autoimmune condition. It attacks joints. It attacks organs. It could be possible, but this should absolutely not be your first step. I think a lot of the reason why I end up seeing it is because I mostly deal with joints as a chiropractor, and so therefore, lupus always going to be on the list for them. Not generally on the list for me, but there you go. 
Now, there was a number of other different things that showed up, like arthritis. Arthritis is a great option uh, as something that could be going on. Muscle spasm, that's another great one that could be possible. Uh, you know, there was stenosis and um, different issues that can happen in the spine, basically a narrowing in the spine. So lots of good things showed up on it, and we're going to pay more attention to some of those conditions that I generally would see in practice, as well as most likely is something that could end up coming after the guitar player, the musician that may be listening to this podcast. So let's go ahead and start with arthritis. I think that's actually a pretty good diagnosis that you might get depending on your age, maybe previous trauma, And more specifically, probably osteoarthritis is the best one to go with. Because yes, there is gout, which is an arthritis, largely due to uh, terrible diets and uh, maybe some genetic stuff. There's also rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune condition, and that could cause it too. But the one I want to focus on is osteoarthritis. There are a lot of causes that can create osteoarthritis in the spine or in your low back somewhere. This could have happened once in your life. It could have happened over thousands of times. You know, an example of once could be like a car accident, a sports injury, falling off a stage. Okay, all right, story time. So one time I was in Wichita. And I think I've mentioned this story before. I was talking with John, our Southpaw drummer, who we allow to come on every once in a while and get some therapy. And we were in Wichita, Kansas, and we're playing some music. Everything's going well. It's the last song. There were two bands that were there for this big corporate event. It was a Christian event that had a bunch of like youth, like sixth through 12th graders. Like it was, it was a pretty big event. It was fun. And there were two bands. We were doing the last song. We invited the other band to come on up and play with us. So we had the deck loaded. Everyone was on stage. We were having a great time. And at the time, what I like to do is I like to get up on top of the kick drum and play my guitar, looking at John, and then for the last note, do the big jump and land on the stage and it looked awesome or at least I thought it looked awesome and it felt terrible because when you jump off from on top of a kick drum and a drum riser it actually hurts quite a bit in the feet but you know whatever it's going to be awesome it's going to look awesome it's going to create stories and so sure enough the deck is loaded and I go to do that big old Van Halen jump leap and where I spotted my landing There Veronica stood. This woman who played in the other band was standing in the spot that I had just left to stand on top of the kick drum. And as I'm falling to the ground, I see her and I do what I only have imagined in my head as a flying squirrel type move. I don't know if you've ever like maybe held your cat and like the cat started clawing or getting real weird and you're like, let go of the cat, and somehow it miraculously lands on its feet. That's the image in my head, is that I am now sprawling my arms out, sprawling my legs out, trying to land and not injure myself and not injure Veronica. And so here I am, I come down and I land, but unfortunately, 
I did not land very evenly and I start to fall. And when I fall, I end up taking out a couple of guitars. They end up flying off stage. I start flying off stage, but luckily something caught my fall. Now notice I didn't say someone caught my fall because that would be awesome if it was a fan who caught me and then I just crowd surfed my way to the back, put my guitar in the van, and then we drove to the airport. Like that would have been great, but that's not what happened. Instead, what happened is that as I slid off the stage, the way that I used to run the AC30 that I used. I had a Vox AC30 that I used is actually John's and we basically ran it off the stage and blew the sound under it. So that way it wasn't too loud for anyone on stage, wasn't too loud for anyone on the crowd. I mean, I used in-ears, so it didn't necessarily matter. And so this thing was sitting off stage, but blowing the sound under stage. And so as I started to roll off the side of the stage, I landed on top of an AC30. Now, I have one more thing to remind people. For people who don't know what a Vox AC30 looks like on top, I will remind you that it has the three handles, one on each side so you can grab it with two hands because it's huge and it's heavy, and then one in the center in case you had a couple of AC30s and you wanted to one hand them a piece and, you know, carry them like like heavy luggage going down the way. But then you also have all the dials and the switches. And then, of course, the input jack for your guitar. And so I was not using a right angle. I was using a straight quarter inch into the top of the amplifier. And I ended up going right over the top of that amplifier, breaking the jack apart, breaking the quarter inch instrument cable end, and it ripped apart. I mean, clean off, the solder came undone, it was destroyed, and the amp wasn't. The amp was fixable, but the cable, it was like, oh man, I, I don't know that I want to repair this. But all of that to say this, that as I fell off, I had this excruciating low back pain. And I took a look and sure enough, (laughs) this was not arthritis, which I'm going to get back to that in a second. Instead, what I had was a gigantic gash in my back from the guitar instrument cable breaking off and essentially being drawn across my back. Like it was, it, it was not awesome. All right. But back to the point, osteoarthritis can happen from one thing like that. You fall off stage, you take that horrible trauma, something ends up happening, but you don't usually notice it right away. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, all of a sudden you'll start to notice that there are issues that can show up and they can just show up at random. I actually had a issue that happened when I was in high school where I dislocated my right hip and maybe someday I'll share that story as well. But... I did that, and after I got done rehabbing and putting everything back into its place, I was able to return. I wasn't full bore, but I was able to return and go back to doing what I did in high school. But I will tell you, when I turned 37 years old, I remember being 37 years old, hanging out at a friend's house. We were going to do some dog sitting, and I picked up the dog, and I was just kind of standing there talking to him, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 
this sharp pain in my hip occurred. And it had been 20 years since I had had this injury. And that was the day that arthritis started to make itself well known. And it put me on my back for a number of days. And I honestly was not back to pre-arthritis feeling until I was closer to 40, 41. So it took a number of years to get over that, which obviously still not over. But that's all talking about a single trauma that occurred and then osteoarthritis. The fact is, is that osteoarthritis can actually come from multiple repetitive injuries that end up occurring. And you may not think of it as injuries. Actually, the best way to call it is microtrauma. These are traumas that often occur over many times of doing the same thing, possibly due to hauling gear from venue to venue for years, riding in a car, a van, or a bus over long distances for many years, playing a heavy guitar for hours at gigs over many years, Poor postural playing. I know that some of you lean over to sing into the mic, but then you have that guitar distributing the weight differently on your spine, and you have to deal with that. Those shoes that you wore while trying to look cool on stage. I mean, sure, Chuck Taylors, Airwalks, they're sweet, but man, they do not help your low back at all. Now, there are a bunch of signs and symptoms that would help you to realize that you have osteoarthritis. Generally, it's diffuse back pain. So that's back pain that is, it's kind of achy. It goes along the entire back, you know, or along the, the spine itself. It's usually not as pinpoint unless it's acute, unless you're just feeling it. You'll have muscle tightness and stiffness. A lot of times that stiffness is coming from the joint, not necessarily stiff in the muscle. Just tight in the muscle, but stiff in the joint. It can be sharp, but generally dull and achy. Now, if you go to the doctor, you will actually get a chance to see it if you take an x-ray. And you can see how bad it really is. And oftentimes, it doesn't look that bad, but what you feel is terrible. And that's actually a good thing. Because if you feel terrible, but it doesn't look that bad, it is treatable you have much time to be able to try and offset those issues and keep it from being a long-term problem where you're having to deal with it for years and years and years, decades, or possibly the rest of your life. But if it is real bad, they do have surgeries, they do have things that they can do to try and help you out. A lot of times, you gotta start with therapy. Therapy helps the most. And so let's go ahead and let's talk about some of the treatments that you can use. The best treatment for osteoarthritis, honestly, movement. As you move the body, the joints get nutrition. It pushes out waste. I mean, I'd start with stretching and exercises. That's probably your number one start. Just start stretching. You know what? I got a few stretches for you. Let me, let me describe a few. All right. So... If you were a patient in my office and I found out that you had osteoarthritis, one of the things I would do is I would adjust you. I would go ahead and I would do an adjustment. The fact is, is that it promotes movement. It increases range of motion. It also aids in the ability to push in more nutrients and push out more waste. There's very few things that can really replace 
the chiropractic adjustment, but I would also end up doing a whole workup of therapy. And one of the stretches that I would do is called the cat cow. Okay, the cat cow. Yes, these are animals. E-I-E-I-O. So essentially what you do with cat cow is you get on all fours. Okay, so hands are on the ground, knees are on the ground. You are facing the ground and you are on all fours like you're trying to be a dog or a cat and a cow as the stretch is. And if you've ever seen a cow, usually out in the pasture, you'll notice they have a big old sway back. So essentially you're trying to activate the core. The way you activate your core is you bring your belly button into your spine. And then as you bring that belly button into your spine, you are activating the core. And then you try and arch your back down. So you're just trying to bring it down like you're a cow out in a pasture. Then you go to a cat position. And the cat position is much like that quintessential Halloween black cat that is scared and has its arched back with the hair sticking up. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to activate your core. You're going to bring that belly button into the spine. And then you're going to arch that back upwards like you're a cat that is getting ready to go attack or pounce or whatever. And you just do that over and over again. So you do the cat and you do the cow, and then you do some more cat, and then do some more cow. But it's not necessarily about speed. It's about making sure you get the stretch in. And that also brings in something called imbibition, which is getting the nutrients into the discs and getting the waste out of the discs in the spine. And that all helps out quite a bit. Another stretch that I really like is called knee to chest. And it is exactly what you would expect knee to chest to be. Uh, You lay on your back. A lot of times I'll tell patients when you're laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, or when you wake up in the morning, just do this exercise. And what you do is you bring your knee into your chest. So you're laying on your back, bring your knee into your chest and pull it tight. Bring your chin up towards your knee while you're doing it. So essentially you're just trying to get into the fetal position and you just really uh, hold yourself in there for about, oh, three, four seconds. Then you take your other knee and bring it into your chest and do the same thing. Get into that fetal position, bring your head up into it like you're doing a big crunch and just uh, hold that thing in there. Then you grab both knees. So you bring both knees into the chest and you do the same thing. And you get into that little fetal position, kind of wind yourself into a ball, hold it for three to four seconds, and then relax. And you'll just do that over and over again. First the left knee, then the right knee, then both knees. And each time, hold three seconds. Left knee, three seconds. Right knee, three seconds. Both knees, three seconds. Another one that I really like is called supine rotators, and this is a name that I came up with it because I couldn't remember what the actual one was when I was in practice, and I started calling it that, and then our therapy guy started calling it that, and next thing you know, they were just known as supine rotators. Basically, while you're laying on your back, after you get done doing that knee to chest, you're just going to um, arch those, those legs up, so basically put your feet flat on the ground. Okay, so you're laying on your back, feet go down on the ground, so your knees are up, and then you just rotate 
your knees to one side and then rotate them to the other. And you're just moving both knees together simultaneously from one side, pause, then bring it to the other side, pause. And the key to this is once again, activate your core, bring that belly button into the spine. And number two, try not to lift your shoulders off of the ground. A lot of times I'll tell patients to just take their arms and put them straight out like, like you're uh, making a T with your body. Just lay it straight out as you're rotating those knees to either side, pausing, and then rotate to the other side, pause. And a lot of times what this does is it just kind of loosens up that, that low back because you're, you're getting in that imbibition, you're getting those nutrients in, you're getting those waists out. The last one that I'm going to mention as a good exercise, a good treatment to do with this is actually called pelvic tilts and rockers. Pelvic tilts and rockers are a special one where basically you could do it sitting on a chair. A lot of times a better place to do it is sitting on like one of those exercise fitness balls, one of those yoga balls. If you're well, actually, there was kind of a big deal to have those in your office at one time. So if if you're somebody who's been in an office sitting on those little exercise balls, and then you're like, "Man, this is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore." Well, go fish that thing out of the closet because it will help you quite a bit for this exercise, where you sit on the exercise ball, and you just tilt only your pelvis. So basically, you're trying to tilt everything below the belt. Just sitting on the ball, like you're sitting in a chair, but sitting in the ball, you're going to try and just tilt only your hip. Think hula dancer, okay? Activate the core, belly button into the spine, and just move your right hip over to the side like a hula dancer, and then over to the left, all right? And then over to the right, over to the left and you just move back and forth like that and that will do a wonder you will be shocked at how much that does and you could do this in a chair it's just less restrictive to do it on a round ball but you're also not going to sit on like a basketball you it's got to be a sizable ball it's got to be you know size of a chair okay so that's the rockers part the tilt part is <laughs> And this is what I used to tell patients. I'm sorry if the reference is too old for you, but Saturday Night Live used to have a skit called Wayne's World. And in it, they would go swing, swing whenever, you know, Garth or or Wayne were attracted to something. They go swing, swing. And that action right there, seated on that ball, you just move your everything below the belt only. You go ahead and you tilt your pelvis forward. And that is a pelvic tilt right there. Okay, so you just do that. Now, swing, and you just move that that pelvis forward. All right, those are the best ones that I have for you. Now, how much should you do it? We would always tell patients you do three sets of 10. So when you go to the right and you go to the left, you've now done one. Go to the right, you go to the left, you've now done two. And you just do a set of 10, then take a break or do another exercise, and then do it again. Take a break, do another exercise, 
and then do it again, and then you're done. If you have discomfort, if you have pain while you're doing it, if you start to do that that set and you get to like number five and you're like, ooh, that's starting to hurt, stop. That set is done. Give it a little bit of a break. Do it again. If you get up to six that time, woohoo, great. But if it's too much, then you stop at six and you wait and then you give it one more time with a set. And if you only make two, you only made two. That's it. And now you have a baseline. Your goal for the next time you go to do those exercises is to try and get one more. Not pushing it. You're just trying to get one more in the sense that as you do the therapy, you will get better and better and better. I would probably be remiss if I did not mention that there are some medications and some supplements that have been found to be very helpful for osteoarthritis. Really, the goal is just feeding the joint and what it needs to prevent it from getting the damage or having the damage in there become worse. So like glucosamine, chondroitin with MSM, this is a well-researched supplement that actually helps quite a bit with with the joint and 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 making a healthier joint. Of course, over-the-counter medications and foods that can decrease prostaglandins that create joint pain. That's another thing that can help. Some foods that help are like omega-3 fish oils and vitamin E and garlic and apple cider vinegar. There's lots of different things that can help with that. If you need more than that, you obviously need to go see a doctor. You need to go see someone and and get this taken care of. Well, we should probably get into a few more of our conditions, but let's go ahead and take a word from our sponsor first. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, family friendly, and camping, then you need to come to Life Fest. In July of 2022, they will have two festivals once again. One at the Sunnyview Fairgrounds in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and the other at the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bonagua, Tennessee. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Crestman Guitar Company has been repairing stringed instruments and building custom guitars and basses. In 2021, Kretzman started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out at KretzmanGuitars.com. That's K-R-E-T-Z-M-A-N-N, guitars.com. Well, let's go ahead and get back into our conditions, and we're going to go for something that is right in my wheelhouse as a chiropractor, and that is subluxation or joint fixation. A lot of times, people have a tough time just being able to do the range of motion, bending over, leaning over doing that move that you do on stage or just being able to sit and play guitar. And a lot of times with low back problems, you start to notice that you go to pick something up and you go, oh, I got to pick something up on the other side at the same time to try and gain some stability. Or you go to pick something up and you're like, oh, can someone hand that to me? There can be a lot of signs that you see 
whenever you have joint fixation. And honestly, the easiest one to see is whenever you have a lack of range of motion. You used to be able to touch your toes or your knees. You used to be able to pick something up off the floor. You used to be able to get down and mess with your pedal board without grabbing your back or making the uh, sound, the old man sound. A lot of those things is the joint fixation. So if we're wanting to treat this, now seeing a chiropractor is a great thing. You're able to go ahead and adjust the joint, get some movement in that area, get the fixation out of the way, also bring in the nutrients, pull out the waste and those discs. But also something that the chiropractic adjustment does that a lot of people don't really understand is it also does a fast stretch on the muscles. Like the fast stretch, what it does is it resets two receptors in the muscle, both the Golgi tendon organ and the spindle fibers. And that's just a really fancy way of saying there are two main receptors in a muscle. And when they can be reset, they can start to be rehabilitated. When you do massage, you only reset one of those. So really getting that fast stretch does a whole lot and that can help out a lot. Speaking of stretching, you have the stretches and the exercises that I already mentioned in the beginning part of this. You can do cat cow. You can do pelvic tilts and rocks. You can do that supine rotation. A lot of those different types of stretches, three sets of 10, making sure you pause in between. It's not about speed. It's about quality will help out quite a bit with being able to maintain your range of motion, which of course will end up decreasing low back pain and all of that. Another one, another condition that we end up seeing a lot that that shows up in the low back is muscle spasms. Now, muscle spasms can be either acute or chronic. If they're acute, that means that the the pain came on very quickly. It's sharp usually. It twitches sometimes. All of these things lead to needing to have some sort of a relief in that area. And yeah, you could do myofascial release. That's like massage. You can do stretches. You can do the exercises. All of these things will help with that. But really, a lot of times, it's rest. You just have to wait for that muscle to relax. Now, of course, there are some different things that you can take. You can try and take some over-the-counter medication. Uh, You could go see a doctor and get a uh, muscle relaxer of some sort to, to help you out. Something to take the edge off, pain relief, different things like that. But really, the best thing for that acute muscle spasm is to not push it. It is to rest Go get adjusted, do some of the stretches, but really it's time that you need. Now, if it's chronic, if you're getting these spasms all the time, then it's treatment that you need. And that's where you really do need to go see a doctor. See someone that can help you with all of these muscle spasms and these these problems. Now, that all brings up things that are more on the outside. I think it's probably worth it for us to bring out something that might be an issue on the inside, and that is kidney problems. I actually mentioned this before the break that kidney issues is actually not out of the question. Matter of fact, a urinary tract infection 
one where basically you have some sort of a bacteria or something that is in the urinary tract. Maybe it's the urethra, maybe it's the ureters, maybe it's the bladder, works its way towards the kidneys. And as it starts to work its way towards the kidneys, you start to get pain referral into the low back. We refer to that as flank pain. One of the first questions I would ask somebody when they came into the office and said, oh, I have low back pain, is I would say, does it also have some sort of like a burning when you pee? Maybe towards the end of urinating, you have this like odd burning sensation. And occasionally I would get somebody looking at me going, no, I don't have an STD. But what I was trying to get at is maybe they had a UTI, a urinary tract infection because that does end up causing flank pain for both men and women. And oddly enough, found that a few times, sent them to the right person, gave them some ideas of how to treat it, and that went away in just a few days. So it is highly possible you could have some low back pain due to kidney problems. And it's not just a urinary tract infection, it could be alcohol related, could be drug related, whether it be over the counter or illegal, Lots of things can cause issues to the kidneys. So if you do have low back pain and you do happen to have some other issues that don't seem to be muscular, don't seem to be joint related, maybe you need to see an internist and they will be able to check out the insides and and see how you're doing. Well, with all that said, those are the most common conditions that I want to really go into, but there is a part that we have not really talked about. And that is true prevention. How do we prevent any of these issues happening? Because if you can prevent the problem from happening at all, then you have now given yourself the opportunity to play music and do what you want to do on the long term. So one way of prevention, if you are a gigging musician, or even if you're just a weekend warrior that goes out and maybe plays with their friends and maybe does a bar occasionally or or plays just on Sunday morning at church, you need to be smart with load in and load out. It is okay to team lift stuff. I get it. You may be like, man, my 412 cabinet is awesome and I love it and I can take it on my own because I'm manly or whatever. But believe me, smarter not harder is what you're wanting to do. Be smart with load in and load out. Just because you can carry it doesn't mean you should carry it. If you already have some tightness in the low back, maybe you slept wrong on the hotel bed, maybe you slept wrong in the van or the bus, maybe you just haven't been getting good night's sleep. That is reason to have more team lifting of things. If you carry your own sound system, maybe you have your own sound system that the band brings. It's in the trailer and the trailer's short, so you have to bend over all the time to walk into the trailer to grab stuff. Maybe have one of the shorter band members bring things up to the front of the trailer, and then you can pick it up from a little bit of height. Picking things up from a little bit of height will actually help out your low back. Bending over and twisting is one of the worst things you can do for your discs. If you're on a stage that happens to be only like maybe two feet high, possibly even three feet high, well, that's actually excellent because you can take all your gear to the front of the stage, grab it, 
not have to bend over and, and move things around. If you do have gear that has wheels on it, maybe it's an amp rack, maybe it's an amplifier case, any of that type of stuff, feel free to toss your pedal board on top of that rolling case. Feel free to toss your guitar on top of that rolling case. Feel free to take the amplifier that is not on wheels and put it on top of the amplifier that is on wheels and be careful, but roll that thing places, okay? Be smarter, don't work harder. That is really important for you to understand that you are not weak if you use a dolly. You are not weak if you use a cart. What you are is intelligent. And when your buddy, the bass player, the singer, the drummer, all of a sudden starts having low back issues, guess who's the one that now has to take up for more of the loading and unloading because you were smart. So that brings up the other important thing. If you see other people doing stuff that will mess up their back, tell them that they're doing things inaccurately. Or, or better yet, say, I would like to offer up a suggestion to make sure that you have longevity in that low back because you are important to this band. Another prevention technique is maybe do the stretches. Do the exercises that were already mentioned in this podcast as a preventative measure. Do them every couple of days. I'm not saying that you need to do it every day. If you don't have an issue, you can be preventative by doing some of these exercises, some of these stretches. Maybe you add a little bit of weight. Maybe you add some resistance. Use a resistance band when doing things. All of this stuff will actually help prevent the problem, which includes also the nutrition. Stay hydrated. Don't just eat all the meat and cheese that you can, you can handle at any time. Make sure you also get good amount of, of vitamins and minerals that you get from fruits and vegetables and all of that stuff. We cannot live off of gas station food alone. You need more than that. So make sure that you're taking care of your body nutritionally. And that brings me to the last thing that I have to say. The most important thing that you have, the most important asset that you have for making music is you, yourself. So take care of yourself. Whether you have arthritis, whether you have a kidney problem, whether you have muscular spasms, whether you have bacterial endocarditis or pyelonephritis, whatever you have, Make sure you're taking care of you. Use your knees when you pick things up. Make sure that it's not too heavy. Team lift. Do whatever you can do. And maybe it's not a bad idea for you at the end of a gig to go ahead and use some ice on the low back to make sure that if you had a rough load in, load out, lots of stairs, long distance of of walking things across a field, had to tear down and set up your own sound system, maybe you go ahead and ice it, put on some biofreeze, do something to to kind of aid in your ability to repair the muscles before you realize it's too much of a problem. Because after all, you can't make guitar music if you can't play the guitar because your low back hurts too much. So take care of your greatest asset. Take care of you. 
Well, that concludes our time with the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy session. If you like what you heard, please leave five stars and a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. And remember, you are your greatest asset.